0: If you don't have a Bible this morning, dear church, we're, there's Bibles in the pews in front of you, and we're going to be on page 862 uh, of those Bibles. You're welcome to follow along there. This week, as always, I'm reading, as Janet did, from the ESV, and you're welcome to follow along there. There are Bibles at our Welcome Center, which you're happy to go there and ask for one if you don't have one or if you need one. Before we begin this morning, I want to just give you some updates. And we've prayed for Pastor Mike that he'd find a house, and indeed they have, and they're Closing on Wednesday, thanks be to God. Uh, Please keep praying as we look for a director of worship and expression. Very thankful to Mark for his headship there uh, as our deacon of worship and expression. Thankful for all the volunteers that help us uh, week by week in leading us in worship. We're also looking for a director of youth and young adults. So please keep praying every day at 2.03 p.m. that God would provide those people to us. We are actively pursuing folks day by day and we'll update you as we can. we are in, again, Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26 this morning. As Janet read today, there are, are notes in your bulletins, which I'm, I'm happy to have you follow along with me as we go through here. The first point in your outline is to keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Perhaps you're wondering, well, how do I do that, Pastor Steve? I'm very glad you asked. Let's talk about it for a few minutes. Acts 8, starting in verse 26, now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. I invite you to consider this or maybe even write it down. Always put yourself in position for the Lord to speak to you. Always put yourself in position for the Lord to speak to you. He, I've never heard the audible voice of God. Maybe some of you have. I have never heard his audible voice. His spirit speaks to me in a still small voice regularly. And the reason I know that is because it's confirmed by God's people, by God's word, and by, and by his spirit himself. Always put yourself in position for the Lord to speak to you. This is why First Thessalonians 5 says pray without ceasing, as I mentioned in my prayer earlier in the service for America. Pray without ceasing means that it's never strange to stop what you're doing and to pray. May that be our posture ever and always. Dear church, may it never be for us strange for God in whatever we are doing for God to speak, because he's speaking all the time. We sang, we read those verse, or, or, or we From Psalm 8 this morning, the heavens declare the glory of God. What is man that you are mindful of him? God speaks in creation. God also speaks to us in his word, generally, but here particularly. God's people, God's word, God's spirit are speaking to us all the time. That's why we gather together on Sunday mornings to worship, so God can speak to us. He is always speaking to us, will you listen? We sang those words. I couldn't get over it. I'll stand with arms high, and heart abandoned, in awe of the One who gave it all. What is He asking you to do? Do you see in this verse? Look again. They all, were all it says in Acts eight twenty six. Go down, go south to this particular road. Go down to Bull Rapids Road, Philip. Go over there to that road. He's very specific. I wish God would be that particular with me. Steve, go over to Maysville Road. He doesn't always do that. He did, it, he did it here with Philip. It may be a desert place, but God is there. Better to be in a desert place with the Lord than a luxurious place without him. Amen? That wasn't very convincing. Amen? Psalm 84 says, A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Verse 27. And he rose and went. Those are, in some ways, the most important words in this whole passage. God says, Go. What's Philip do? He goes. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her, her treasure. I'm reminded of Joseph, Mary's husband, and he just hears from God. A very hard thing, by the way, Joseph heard from God. Your wife is going to have a baby. It's not yours. And he gets up and does exactly what God tells him to do through great difficulty. I don't know what God is asking you to do but you do. And if you do, are you listening? If you know what God's asking you to do, and you will, by his grace, put yourself before him and say, God, I know what you've asked me to do. Help me to do it. Help me to do it. Obedience, remember, obedience is your business. God's going to go before you. If God says, go out on this branch, he will go out. He has gone out before you. He will never hope you have ears to hear, dear church. He will never ask you to do a thing and then not equip you to do that thing. He asks Philip to do something very specific and has gone before him all the way. And Philip says, here I am, Lord. Here I am, just like it says in Isaiah. Here I am, whatever you have me to do. 2,000 years ago, there was one place to come and worship God. One place that God uniquely dwelled. Now the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and every place where we gather together is acceptable to God. How wonderful. This has all now changed. This person's like a finance minister. Ethiopia. In the ancient world, Ethiopia was any place in Africa besides Egypt. It was all Ethiopia. Probably a place called Nubia. It's a real place. I have been to Africa. I have been to Egypt. South of Egypt is a country called Sudan. Ethiopia probably is Nubia. Hear this The gospel has now gone to Jerusalem, to Judea, last week to Samaria, this week to the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth have come to Jerusalem in the person of this Ethiopian. The promise you will be my witnesses. In all these places, it has happened. God will always do what he says he will do. You guys there this morning? That's exciting. He was in charge of all the queen's treasure. It's a lot of money. His greatest treasure is mentioned in the next verse. Stay tuned. Uh, A fourth century saint named Chrysostom, he got the name because it means golden mouth. What a great name for a speaker. Said this. It is not possible ever to exhaust the mind of the scriptures. It is a well that has no bottom. There are many of us that are willing to do great things for the Lord. This is from D.L. Moody. But few willing to do little things. There are many of us willing to do great things for the Lord. And people rise and clap their hands. I am convinced that those of you... In this church and churches everywhere that selflessly serve the Lord and serve his people day after day that will never get any celebration will get your crowns in glory. And God has not forgotten. God has seen you and all of that effort that you have given him. Verse 28. He was returning, he was going back home, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah that is the greatest treasure that he has. He has the scroll of Isaiah. More on that in a moment. He's on his way back to Nubia. He has a chariot. Only the most well-off people in that day had a chariot. He was driving a Rolls Royce, if you will. Is that a good analogy? I don't know. A very nice car, he was driving a very, very nice car. A car that showed he had some status. A vehicle had some status. He has the Isaiah scroll. How many feet back do you suppose it is from here to the back of the sanctuary? Someone throw out a number. How many feet is that? 30 feet. So the Isaiah scroll, this guy has in his Rolls Royce, his chariot, insert whatever your preferred car is here, okay? Something American if you like on Independence Day weekend. Okay. twenty-five. The Isaiah scroll is 25 feet long when you roll the whole thing all the way out. Isaiah has 66 chapters. Can you imagine... How much it would cost to purchase a handwritten Isaiah scroll, 25 feet. No breaks for letters or words in the Hebrew. Just letters after, like, 25 feet of that. Can you imagine how expensive that would be? Anything handwritten. A handwritten book. These days, unbelievably valuable. He has the Isaiah scroll, dear church. He's in charge of all the queen's treasure and the Isaiah scroll is the most valuable thing he went to Jerusalem to purchase. It has an inestimable value. Verse 29, excuse me. (coughs) The Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Again, very particular, God speaking through his Spirit to Philip. Philip remains in a posture to receive very specific direction from the Spirit. Church, when God tells you to go over and talk to someone, and he will do that. Has that ever happened to anybody in this room? Raise your hand so we can see. Look at, look at that. Go speak to that person. Again, it may not be the audible voice of God. That's never happened to me. Maybe it's happened to you, but it will be unmistakable. God says, go talk to that person. And you feel this overwhelming sense in your spirit that God speak. It's exactly what happens to Philip in this verse. Go over and get in that chariot. Go over and join this chariot. Romans 8, verse 14. These are these verses, I think, are in your outline. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with your spirit, with our spirit, that we are children of God. Part of being ready to receive the voice of the Spirit is to listen to what he has said in the very word he breathed out. I'll repeat that. Part of being ready to receive the voice of the Spirit in your life is to listen to what he has said in the very word that he breathed out. I was talking to Todd Miller this morning before the service, and he was in his pew, sorry Todd, in his pew reading his reading for the day, reading God's word. I think it was D.L. Moody who said that he has so much, no, it was Martin Luther who said this. I have so much to do today, I have to spend at least four hours in prayer, he said. It's a very different perspective, isn't it? I pray, we are busy people, I'm a busy person, you are busy people. I pray that we would never be too busy to spend time in the Word of God. No generation in the history of the world has had more access to better resources to read God's word than our generation, than us, you can get it on your phone. I, we have copies at this church of God's word to give to you. We would give it to you with joy, with enthusiasm. There is no substitute. Why aren't you hearing from God? Maybe you come sit in my office this week, and you're welcome to come. Come sit with me. Am I hearing from God, Pastor Steve? I've been praying. God's not answering. I don't know what to do. My first question is going to be about how much time have you spent in God's word? How much time have you spent praying about those things? If the answer is you're at the end of a long period of searching, then we can stand with you in that way. But first things first. I've had couples come sit in my office and say, well, our marriage is a wreck. Well, what's going on? Well, we never talk to each other. Um, our kids are disobedient, lost my job. Like, I wonder why your marriage is a wreck, you know? Galatians 5, 16 through 18 says this. But I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Ordinary, simple, boring, everyday obedience, a 10-mile march every day. That's, that's, it's not mystical and grand. It's simple and small. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The New Living Translation says, since we are living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. The Word of God, the people of God. These are tangible, real ways to keep in step with the Spirit of God. Again, the Apostle's example of listening to the Spirit is not a deeply mystical, personal, private experience. It's a natural outflowing of a life lived in obedience and service. Number, number one point in your outline, again, dear church, is to keep in step with the Spirit. Outline point number two. Always be ready to give an answer. Always be ready to give an answer. I love how verse 30 starts. So Philip moseyed. Is that what it says? Are you guys there? So Philip moseyed. Is that what it says? No. Philip ran He ran to him. I love this picture. The picture of Philip's enthusiastic obedience. I think my mom is listening, or she might be listening later on today. Hi, mom. Wherever you are, you're in Florida. Hi, mom. And my mom would always say, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. And she was right. But the belief comes first. The obedience follows after it. Philip is demonstrating his faith by his enthusiastic obedience. May that be said of us. May we be marked by this kind of enthusiastic, instant obedience. My mom would also say, "Didn't you, mom?" Slow obedience. You ever heard this before? Slow obedience is no obedience. You all say that too. She's probably right. Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet. This is verse thirty. And asked, do you understand what you are reading? The court official had come to Jerusalem to worship the one true God. He was reading Isaiah. His reading came before his understanding. His reading came before his understanding. Romans 10 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. God's word is the means by which we hear the truth about ourselves and the world. There is no substitute. You're not going to hear it any other place. I would ask you, dear church, what are your personal private habits like? And those private habits show up in your public life. It's not escapable. It's the same for everybody. Verse 31. And he said, How can I? Unless someone guides me. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The official says that he needs someone to explain and guide him in what God's word says. Dear church, this is the high and sacred calling the elders of this church have placed before me. This is what God has called me to in my life. I can tell you it's massively encouraging to see it here on the pages of God's word to guide and help people understand what God's word says. If you have a copy of the Bible, there's a lot in here, church. It's not a pamphlet, you know. There's a lot going on in God's word. It needs to be properly understood. I spent years of my life getting ready to serve you in that way week after week. That's what God, that's what you've called me. You have given me time. I will never be adequately thankful enough for this. You have given me time week after week on your behalf to take time to study God's word and then put it before you week after week. That is a great, high, and sacred calling, and I thank you for it. I take it very, very seriously. Anything less than my devotion to making God's word known would be a betrayal of what you have called me to here at this church and the great purpose to which God has called me in my life. And all of these things have brought Philip to this moment. And he's ready. He runs and he's ready. The great Bible scholar and specialist on Acts, F.F. Bruce, toward the end of his autobiography says this. For many years now, the greater part of my time has been devoted to the study and interpretation of the Bible in academic and non-academic settings alike. I regard this as the most worthwhile and rewarding occupation There is only one form of ministry which I should rate more highly. That is the work of an evangelist, to which I have not been called, he says. The official had come to worship, and it's all coming together. He'd come to worship, and he got a copy of Isaiah at great expense, and he was open to hear what Philip was about to say. Philip put himself in position to bear witness to the great fulfillment of Isaiah, the prophet. You see those verses there, in the person of Jesus Christ. One commentator tells this story. Philip discovered the Ethiopian had been prepared by God before he even spoke to him. We too can expect this as we share Christ with other people. As we share, we are often surprised to find that the person with whom we are talking has been prepared by God for that encounter. It doesn't always happen, of course, but it happens often enough for us to realize that God can lead us to people whom he has already prepared to listen to what we have to say. We are just one link in what God's doing in that person's life. Leighton Ford, in his excellent book on personal evangelism, Good News is for Sharing, reports how a young pastor, friend of his, was used to to lead a hardened criminal in a county jail to Christ. The man told the preacher, now preacher, don't get a big head because I've accepted Christ. You are just the 25th man. On asking what he meant, the pastor was told that 24 others had witnessed to him about Christ and his conversion was the effect of all of these together. God was at work before the pastor ever came on the scene. September 2nd, 1992 is the story of my conversion to Jesus Christ. I was in church every moment of my conscious waking life. Before I was 19 years old, I was at Toccoa Falls College in Northeastern Georgia, and an evangelist came. We had chapel every day at college back in those days, back in the day, and one of those days this evangelist came through and said, if you died today, do you know where you would spend eternity? And I had a lot of things that my mind. I had good parents who are listening, who faithfully invested in me. I had a Christian education, I had an active conscience, all these things. But I had no answer to that question. I had no assurance of salvation. I went down that gym floor and I said, I want Christ to save me. I need to be saved. And I was. Thanks be to God, He saved me. The good news about Christ was made known to me. Guys, I cannot tell you, 10,000 people before then had told me the gospel, but I had ears to hear that day. I had ears to hear that day. You don't know where you are in the chain. But be faithful to God to bear witness. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Do not withhold your words. If God says to go speak, speak. He'll go before you. You're going to be nervous. I talk to my friends on the phone about God, or they talk about spirituality, or even religion, and everything's fine. My pulse never raises. The conversation goes to Jesus. Everything everything goes different. And that's good. The Holy Spirit is in those conversations, dear church. Do not miss out on the great joy found on the other side of obedience. Do not miss out. You don't know where you are in the chain and how that person has been prepared for many, many years as I was to receive that day. What the evangelist had to say. Much like Philip in this case. Colossians 4. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you may know how you ought to answer each person. Verses 32 and 33 are from Isaiah chapter 53. The passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. I'll pause for a second. This is not in my notes, but it occurs to me. Jesus Christ, God's own son, was willing to subject himself to humiliation And when he is falsely accused of a great many things for which they murdered him, he opens not his mouth. He was willing to do that for you and for me out of love. Out of love, I wonder what we're willing to endure. Maybe the the bar is much lower, I don't know. God, may I be willing to follow Jesus' example. Remember Stephen's words from Acts 7. From verse 52, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Verse 34 says this. The eunuch said to Philip, About whom I ask you, does the prophet say this, himself or someone else? Verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth. Then Philip opened his mouth. Only you can open your mouth, friends. I can't do it for you. My mom couldn't do it for me. I had to open my mouth. Open your mouth. Confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. That's the good news. That's a promise. All of Philip's obedience has led him to this moment. Verse 35. He opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. 1 Peter 3.15, in your heart's Set apart Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Exactly what Jesus did in Luke to those who followed him on the road to Emmaus after he rose from the dead. Would you be prepared today at lunch to tell someone the good news about Jesus? I know you think it has to be fancy and put together and buttoned up. Can I tell you something? It doesn't have to be, but it has to be from you. And it has to be straightforward. If you if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that. You can say that to people. God's spirit's going to work in through your imperfect witness, but only you can bear witness. That's your that's your responsibility. Only you can bear that witness. So I know that you feel inadequate. You always will be, and so will I. Always inadequate. But you, will always be, but you will always be gone before by God to give you the grace to do what he's asked you to do. But your responsibility is to be ready. No one can do that for you. I can't do it for you. No one else can do it for me. Are you too busy lamenting the bad news to take time to tell people the good news? Are you too distracted by current events so the good news becomes a luxury if I get around to it? May that not be us. Always be ready to give an answer for the good news, for the hope that's in you. In conclusion, outline point number three. In many ways, I've been heading to this verse for many, many months. What prevents you, number three, from being baptized? Verse 36 As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. I'm sure he's like, thank you. I I see the water. Thank you, Mr. Official. That's great. What prevents me from being baptized? The good news about Jesus includes baptism. There's no way to read verse 36 and not come to that conclusion. The official responds to Philip's message like you would respond to good news with enthusiasm. See? See? here's water. What prevents you from being baptized? Right back there, right in there, is a baptismal. It's good. It, has, it, will, it will have water in it, and some of you will be in that baptismal in the coming days, and you will be baptized, because what's in the way? I will be praying for you today, in the days that follow, that whatever is preventing you from being baptized, that God would remove that obstacle and you would be baptized and you would allow us to celebrate with you what God has done. There is nothing, again, sorry to Carrie Underwood, wherever you are, Carrie, sorry. There's nothing in the water. It's not, it's not like different kind of water than you have in your, in your house. But there's something different about obedience. This is review, but it's okay to review again. Baptism literally is... When seeing is believing, I'm seeing a person like this official with Philip go down the water and come back up. It's a physical display of what God's done in that person's heart. Somewhere in here, this person said yes to Jesus. Maybe look at look at your uh, scriptures. There, do you see something going on with verses thirty six and thirty eight? Where's verse thirty seven? It's missing. You see it being anybody with me there? Are you guys with, with me, class? Good. you're very quiet this morning some manuscripts add all or most of verse 37 which says philip said if you believe with all your heart you may and he replied i believe that jesus christ is the son of god the earliest and best manuscripts don't have verse 37 so it's not in some verses a scribe would have read that and said i got to put something in about this but this this guy coming he has to say it you know it, it's implied But a scribe would say, i got to put that in there. I'll pause for a moment and wear my apologist hat and talk to you for a minute. Do you know how we know the earliest and best manuscripts don't have that verse? Because we have thousands of them. We know what God's word says with great clarity. Early and good manuscripts don't have that verse. What changes if it's there? Nothing. But we can know what you have before you, dear church, is secure in the text. And that's one way, there are many ways that you can know that it's secure. Verse 36 into verse 38, uh, the Great Commission. Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. It's right in the Great Commission, right up front, along with teaching. Verse 38, he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water. Philip said to the eunuch, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Philip's obedience finds its end in the baptism of a court official from Africa. The ends of the earth. This is is an initial Gentile coming to faith in Christ and being baptized. The gospel is for everyone. All nations, all tribes, all persons, everywhere. Everywhere. The gospel is for, they went down the water together. The gospel is for everyone, verse 39. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Wait, what? Philip's just star trekked. He's beamed out. He's gone. But look at what's going on here. Just Don't miss this. The spirit's central role in this story comes to a rather dramatic conclusion. Philip is carried away. The original word there is he's snatched. He's beamed me up, Scotty. And he got beamed up by the Holy Spirit and he's gone. And that's not the focus. The eunuch doesn't spend time looking for him. What's the eunuch do? He went in his way. See ya. Rejoicing. He doesn't care that Philip is snatched away. That's of great interest to me. If I'm talking to one of you and all of a sudden you are snatched away, that will get my attention. The the, the eunuch doesn't pay attention to that. He's just on his way rejoicing at what? Good news. Good news. He goes on his way rejoicing. Verse 40. But wait, there's more. Philip Philip found himself. He found himself in Warsaw. That's what we're talking about in Azotus, about 20 miles away. That's more more than Warsaw, sorry. Better example, we'll we'll think of a better example. As he passed through, he preached the gospel. He didn't talk about, guys, guess what? The Holy Spirit star trekked me from Gaza. That's not what he says. He preaches the gospel, what he has been doing. Again, i got to tell you, the spirit whisking Philip away is of great interest to me, but not the people in the story. The official goes away rejoicing. What's Philip do? He preaches the gospel. He preaches the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. He keeps, just keeps on going even farther north than Azotus, a real place. Philip goes all the way to Caesarea, and he's still there 20 years later. We see him again, we'll get there eventually, in Acts 21. He's called Philip the Evangelist. He has several daughters, says that they're there with him 20 years later. It was an evangelist that delivered the gospel message that changed my life. May we follow the example of Philip and give ourselves to everyday obedience, always being ready to give an answer for our hope in keeping in step with the Spirit each Step of the way. Would you all stand with me this morning as we dismiss? I am so glad that you are here. Happy Independence Day weekend. I hope you have a wonderful time with your family. We have a lot to be thankful for. As we dismiss, we'll thank God for that. Do not miss the end of this passage. What prevents you from being baptized? I pray the Spirit would be at work in your life if you need to get baptized. Uh, We would be eager to talk with you about that. Call a church office on Tuesday, not tomorrow, and we'll set it up. Pray with me. God, anyone within the sound of my voice can cry out to you right now and be saved. Anyone. They confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, that He is who He said He is, your own Son who conquered death and rose again. And they believe in their heart, God, that God raised Him from that. They will be saved. That's the promise. So right now, God, in this sacred moment, I ask you, anyone in this room or in the sound of my voice that needs to do that, to cry out to be saved, may they do it. Right now, God, save me. I believe that what your son did is enough for my salvation. I believe he died and rose again. God, may that be so. If there are those in the room, God, that have made that confession and need to be baptized, I pray that you would not deny that they would not deny us as a church the great joy of celebrating what you've done with them. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love for us, demonstrated in the good news about Jesus. May we be ready to give an answer. God, may we keep in step with the Spirit this week. In all that we do, I pray this in Jesus' name, with great thanksgiving. Amen.